Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Hey there, this is Alan Monticilio. I'm the editor of The Bay. KQED is hoping to learn more about how you listen to podcasts and what you love about them. So if you have just 10 minutes to spare, please fill out our podcast survey. It's at kqed.org slash podcast survey. I know there's so much going on right now, but if you have the time, we'd really, really appreciate it. This will help us, help me, Devin, Erica, all of us at KQED continue to bring you shows that matter to you. So once again, that's kqed.org slash podcast survey. And thanks. There used to be a lot of heavy industry here in the Bay Area. Think of the World War II shipyards, or the military bases, or places like the Port of Oakland. Because of that, there are also a lot of chemicals buried in the ground. With sea levels rising, some of those toxic chemicals will likely start to surface soon. It's yet another way that the climate crisis is affecting where we live. First, people have a hard time understanding that there's water in the soil. And uh, after they understand that, I think they realize how dangerous that's going to be, that that water is rising in a region like ours. There is time to do something about toxic contaminants in Bay Area groundwater. But if we don't, the rising groundwater could become a big problem, especially in communities of color. I'm Devin Kadayama. Welcome to the Bay. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org podcasts with an S. This is another one of, you know the many fallouts of the changing climate. Laura Clivens is a science reporter and host of KQED's Deep Look. Marquita Price is a 
lifelong resident of East Oakland. She grew up there and she lives there now. A lot of the homies I advocate with and work with, um, we consider East Oakland to be, deep East Oakland, to be the last frontier um, holding, standing against gentrification. She had worked on a project about sea level rise with um, some other people who are familiar with this issue of groundwater rise. I got involved through my concern for black folks being involved in the conversation. So I met up with her at a, a place called Coliseum Gardens. How are you? Nice to see you. Hi. It is a housing development. It's on top of a former recycling center, that the site, and it's ringed by other industrial areas. I, I can't say what exactly what it is from these companies, but you can just come down and smell from sour to burnt to it changes throughout the day. And we met there because the groundwater there, if you look at maps, is, is very shallow. It's very close to the ground, meaning that when there's a king tide or a heavy rain, we might see uh, the groundwater rising there. I know that we lack certain drainage infrastructure in East Oakland. Like, there's some streets that just don't have it. I wanted to meet her in a place that, that was had this issue of shallow groundwater and would be impacted early on as we see groundwater rising. Can we drive by your your grandma's house? And then we drove to her grandmother's house, which is in the Havens Court neighborhood of East Oakland. We're on 69th at my grandma's house. It's like any house that a family has lived in for years and years and years, where each little piece of it, you're like, you remember, oh, that's where I put that little toy when I was young, or that's where I, like, bumped my head. But, oh, uh, yeah, what you tell me, though, when I come down here? Stop jumping over that fence before you break your neck. <laughs> it's this lavender one-story house. It has a, a nice lawn that has these potted succulents. And Marquita's grandmother lives there and has lived there for decades. Even though it's not in a direct high vulnerable area for groundwater and sea level rise. Um, it's definitely um, pretty close um, and near too. Um, and the area just got a lot of um, older, vulnerable um, homeowners that don't have, um, you know, steady income. What's happening to the groundwater in the area where Marquita's grandmother's house is located and generally within a mile of the coast in the Bay Area, is that if you dig down, it's a lot like when you dig at the beach and you're in that dry area and you dig down and then you hit water. And that water actually is gonna be fresh water. And that water has come from rain and it just lives in, uh, in the soil beneath our feet. And then below that water, that, that fresh water, there's a layer of salt water when we're close to the ocean. And so as the climate changes and warms and the oceans rise, it pushes up the layer of salt water that exists below the layer of fresh water. And then that pushes up the layer on top of it. The water level is getting closer and closer to our feet if we're standing on the ground. And then that can bring a whole host of issues. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like, how does that possibly get into people's homes or, or affect people personally. In some places around the Bay Area, the scientists who were studying this and, and took samples and, and looked at data that has been collected found that groundwater 
in some places is just like a foot, three feet below below where you stand on the ground. Huh. Um, wow. And so if you have a house uh, on Alameda or in East Oakland and you have a basement or you have a crawl space and then the groundwater is just three feet beneath your feet, it can leak into the bottom of your basement, right? Like a wet basement is not a foreign concept right, to us. Right. Sometimes there will be chemicals in, in that water and those chemicals can vaporize and then we can breathe them in. The other way that it could happen is, again, through that sewage line. So the sewage line is going down into the ground, right, to some level of depth. And if there is a crack in it and the groundwater rises and intersects with it and there is a a contaminant in that water, it can sneak into the pipe and, again, vaporize. and And then that vapor can come up through our lines of sewage in our home. Why is there toxic contamination in the ground? So there's contamination in the ground um, beneath our feet from industry. There actually were very few laws, if any, about how waste had to be disposed of in the United States until the 1960s. I spoke with Christina Hill, who's an associate professor at UC Berkeley, and she studies groundwater and, and planning. Everything human beings use, they spill. So everything we've used in the last 150 years has at some point spilled. And what's mostly in the soil now that's particularly dangerous is um, hydrocarbons, benzene and toluene, uh, chemicals left over from dry cleaning or paint. And these are chemicals that are on our list in California of of chemicals that can cause cancer and also uh, can harm reproductive health. So we have contaminants and chemicals in the ground around us. I'm also thinking about like how much industry there was in the Bay Area. Can you kind of tell me where people are maybe most concerned about in the Bay? For this issue, it would be the places where shallow groundwater intersects with places that used to be heavy industry. So that would be a place like East Oakland. That would be a place like Alameda, after this story came out, I had some folks contact me about some other places in the Richmond and Bayview Hunters Point and like Treasure Island. Shipyards and military bases, that's a guaranteed. And why is that? Because they had so much contaminant to dispose of, and they did it uh, with no regulations at the time. There are tons of places like this across the Bay because a lot of the Bay Area is fill. It's landfill. And so those areas are really susceptible to this. They are low-lying, you know, and and the water can seep up very easily. How big of a problem is this? I mean, that sounds really bad, but I also, like, have not heard of toxic contamination in groundwater before. I've reached out to scientists who do this work on groundwater around the country. And they all suspect that this is an issue. And there isn't that much research that is published on it. There are reports that show this is very likely to be an issue in places like the Bay Area, Honolulu, Miami, parts of New York City, um, really a lot of coastal areas around the country. And what's challenging about this issue is it is one of the many complications of climate change. And it's coming And it just depends on how quickly sea levels rise. Yeah, I mean, it it certainly seems important enough that people like Marquita are worried about what it means to their communities and their families. Yeah, absolutely. 
What the city gonna do about it? <laughs> the city is not even on the city radar like that. So the community been trying to bring it up to the, the respective agencies to um, bring it up and let them know it's an issue. We've been doing that by um, doing some projects to, to test it and show people that it's an issue. The people that they are likely to impact are people of color who are living in places uh, that were historically redlined, um, like the flatlands of Oakland. But also there are some communities that are wealthier, like, um, like Alameda. And so it's just sort of another issue that folks who have been living in places that are these the forefront of environmental justice issues that, that they have to deal with. A lot of health, asthma, already breathing issues on top of um, water contaminants um, yeah, is a concern. This is an issue in the future that very few people are thinking about. It's also, you know, depending on where you live and, and what the situation is there. Like Marquita Price was saying, you know, economically, the unemployment rate is is awful in East Oakland. And so people aren't busy, like, thinking about groundwater rise. They're thinking about getting a job and, and paying rent and, and um, getting displaced as Oakland changes. We're definitely already resilient, so we just need to be more economically stable. So what's anybody doing about this right now? So just to be clear, people do address toxic contamination in the ground in a variety of ways. It's not like we discover it and we just leave it there. That's good to hear. (laughs) (laughs) But what we're talking about are the sites that um, were believed to be contained in a way that didn't account for groundwater rising and and intersecting with these contaminants and then potentially moving them, um, or sites that maybe we don't we don't know about. So there have been some independent consultants that have been doing uh, studies and reports on the level of groundwater, trying to figure out actually where it's really shallow in the Bay Area. We have some maps for that for some places like East Oakland, but not other places. And then we have regulators who are turning to this issue and saying, okay, you know, let's look at these reports that these independent folks create and let's layer that on top of the sites that have contamination. And let's see like where we need to go first. So at this point, it sounds like they're mapping out the problem to address the problem. That's great. Yeah. Is there anything individuals can do right now or in the near future? Yeah, there are. So one thing is to bring up this issue to local officials. Um, you can bring this up to the water board. You can bring this up to your supervisors and and say that it's something you're concerned about. One thing you can do is you can look at this website that the um, that the state has put together. It's called GeoTracker. And it's pretty hard to learn how to use. But you can look up your address and and then you see all these dots around it, you know. And I was like, oh, there's benzene in the soil near my house, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and you can look at that. It's very hard to read, right? I've been reporting on this for a while, and I'm still kind of like, whoa, what do all these things mean? So I think for the layperson, it will be hard to see. But you can get a general sense of industry that's been there. And you can actually click on every little dot that's around you and see if there are documents that that do help explain what has happened at that site. Oh, okay, there was used to be a gas station here, and there was a leak. Um, oh, there used to be a water heater or whatever. You know, and then another regulator um, mentioned to me 
One of the things that people can do is require local governments to pass enforceable standards that apply to groundwater rise. When I think about climate change, you know, I think about big tropical storms or wildfires here in California and all the smoke. But this seems like also a really important part of climate change and and the narrative that's being told right now about climate change. What do you want this story in particular to add to people's understanding of what's happening to the climate? There are a few things. One is that the more we work to put fewer greenhouse gases in the air, the better our outcomes will be. The second is This is yet another scary thing that's happening from climate change, but that doesn't mean that we look away from it. Because if we look away, we will not be prepared and we will not actually take actions to stop the the things that are causing climate change. It's not like, you know, this isn't a foregone conclusion that we have all the worst things happen. We still are in charge of some of the outcomes of our future. And then the third thing is um, one thing that I think Christina Hill said really well is that we need to change the way we think about water um, and that we need to learn to live with water in a different way. It's much more a part of our lives now than, than we have been before. And it's not about like keeping it out and keeping it at bay. It's about how do we, how do we work with it around us more. Yeah, if you try to keep water out, it's a very high-maintenance kind of vigilance that's required. But if you find a way to let the water in and still live with it in a beautiful, livable way, then the water comes up and down, and you don't mind. You just appreciate the snowy egrets. It's not enough to be like, okay, we can't have that. We don't want that. Like, the water is here. It's rising. We're having more water in the atmosphere because of climate change. Uh, So we need to change the way we think about our relationship to it. Laura says among the things the Bay Area should think about is how to support the cities, communities, or families who don't have the resources or money to deal with the problems that could come from this kind of groundwater rise. And as she said, it's not just about the infrastructure, but about the long-term health risks too. Thanks to KQD science reporter Laura Clivens, who also hosts Deep Look. This episode was produced by Erica Cruz Guevara, myself, and our editor, Alan Montesilio. I'm also excited to announce that we get help each week from Issa Mendoza, who is going to be helping us put together our newsletter, which comes out on Friday, which if you haven't yet, we'll leave you a link in our show notes to subscribe. You'll learn more about how we do our episodes cool things happening in the podcast and stuff we think you should listen to, read, or watch. Our podcast leadership team is Jessica Placek, Erica Aguilar, Vinny Tong, Ethan tobin Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. The Bay is produced by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Katayama. That's it from us. Talk to you next time. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. 
I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.